Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Brand Design Masters podcast. In this episode, which was recorded in San Diego at the Social Media Marketing World Conference in early 2020, I sit down with Nicole Osborne, who's the founder of the social media coaching and marketing consultancy, Lollipop Social. Nicole helps entrepreneurs and influencers and business owners improve their marketing results through coaching programs that highlight stellar personal branding and engaging content marketing. And in our interview, she talks about her career transition from holding senior level positions in corporate to building her own marketing business and how she juggles and develops her own personal brand while also doing client work. We talk about things like what brought on her shift from corporate to personal branding, the differences between being part of a corporate marketing team and then being on your own, and also how she handled imposter syndrome and some of the challenges that come along with doing everything on her own as a solopreneur. So I hope you enjoy this interview, and this was recorded live in uh, social media marketing world, so there is a bit of background noise, but hopefully you'll forgive us for that and enjoy the interview. So welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast and uh, YouTube interview show. I'm here with Nicole Osborne at Social Media Marketing World 2020 in San Diego. And Nicole and I uh, met in a uh, conference in London two years ago. Mm-hmm. And she's been going through a series of changes from in her career, which I'm going to let her describe, but going from working on the marketing side in corporate to building a personal brand and an entrepreneurial kind of presence for herself. So, welcome, Nicole. Oh, Philip, thank you so much for having me today. You know, I've met you, I think, a couple of years ago at Youpreneur, so I'm so excited that we both have a time today here in beautiful San Diego to it chat. Is beautiful. Thank yeah, you. Sure. And so, tell us a little bit about, say, where you were like three or four years ago when in that role and what that was like. Yeah, sure. So I'm a very classically trained uh, corporate marketeer, by which I mean I have a marketing degree. I'm a chartered marketeer and I worked my way up the career ladder. My, my first job was at the Financial Times. And when I left the Financial Times, uh, I was a B2B marketing manager looking after their advertising proposition worldwide. And I really loved the job and I actually really loved working in marketing and I became more uh, senior. I changed company several times. In the end, I was a marketing director. But what I really found is um, I became a mum. And it was really challenging to find a role at senior level. I was a marketing became director. Became a mother. Absolutely, I became a mother. And yeah. um, I wanted to have a little bit of flexibility. And because I couldn't find the kind of opportunities which really excited me, because I truly believe life is too short to not be doing something mm. you absolutely adore doing. Uh, I thought, well, let's just set up my own business. Surely there got to be a way of uh, making more money in less time and, and still really enjoying it. So yeah, I set up Lollipop Social. And so you just put in your notice and said, I'm done? <laughs> yeah, kind of. I, I kind of uh, really like to call this a lot in the UK where you take voluntary redundancy and you, you sign NDAs and you cannot really talk about it. Right. Uh, one of the last things I did, which is Even really on interesting. the podcast? <laughs> Even on a podcast. <laughs> One of the last things I did was I actually applied for a position of, as the managing director. It was three of us and I was about uh, seven months pregnant and I remember standing in front of the board saying, yeah, the long-term vision, I'm, I'm rubbing my belly now, the long-term vision for this company is so-and-so and so. You've got to do these things when you're ambitious. Right. Oh my gosh, that is such a funny picture. <laughs> it is, I know. <laughs> and you're like, okay, something's wrong with this picture. 
I don't know that I'm credible here telling my long-term vision when I'm seven months pregnant. But you've got to do it, right? I think if you're ambitious, you've got to do these things, just push yourself. And I knew I wasn't going to get the position, but the point was yeah. just I wanted to make, yeah, of course I'm still very ambitious, you know. I so might be a mum soon, but... So you're on the marketing department mm -hmm. of a corporation, and we were talking just before we hit record here, but you were on the... You know, having been on that side, you were getting courted by your agencies. You were always being taken. Explain what that's like being in corporate. <laughs> well, it's actually wonderful, right? Because I guess as a as an in-house marketeer, your job is to choose the best agencies for the job, who deliver on time, who deliver value, who are creative, who who get what you need, who actually help you to get buy-in from your senior team. I remember, you know, you always as a marketeer have to get buy-in from your finance director and, and position re uh, return on investment. But there's also a lot of fun element because when it comes to agencies. We, we don't just work with a brand, we, we work with the people behind it, right? So agencies would take us out. I remember I was based in Southwark when I was working at the Financial Times, really beautiful area of London. And we were taken to the Tate Modern and we had like champagne receptions and we would always get a lot of presents for Christmas and lots of nights out. I tell you what, it was really good fun. <laughs> because obviously our agency contest would make sure that we as a client had a really, really good time and, and we usually did. Absolutely. So you were kind of living the high life. Yeah, I would say so. I was, I was very good at enjoying that, yes. <laughs> yeah, I know what that's like. And so then you had kids and you decided to go out on your own. So that, I can imagine, was a shock to the system. It really was. It was rather scary because I guess particularly at the time in my life, I'd just taken redundancy. Uh, I was feeling the imposter syndrome. And when you set it on your own, the one thing really is to appear confident, even when you're not feeling so confident, because if you don't, feel confident, you know, why would any potential clients want to trust you and think you can add value to whatever marketing challenge you're trying to help them overcome? So yeah, it was really, really tough. I had to do a lot of uh, soul searching and there were some dark moments as well. But I believe, you know, as long as you always have a good network around you, uh, I had a business coach at the time, which, which really helped. Mm. You can do it, but it was hard, yeah. So I find it fascinating when people who were at senior level positions leave them and then are hit by imposter syndrome when they were, you know, senior level, they're yeah. making a great salary, working as a marketer in a corporation. There's validation and personal identity that goes into that kind of a role. And then when you leave it, that personal identity somehow evaporates a little bit. And then you are, there's a vacuum, right? And sometimes that self-doubt or that kind of loss of an aspect of your identity comes into play. Did you feel that? Oh, completely. I think I think you nailed it there. You're so used to when you're in a senior position, you have your team around you, and, and hopefully if you're a good leader, you know, they're very supportive of you. They make you feel great. And all of a sudden, it's just you. And one simple example, you know, we're so used to making a business case for perhaps a marketing investment, a new system, or a new campaign. But all of a sudden, we are the ones we are selling ourselves. We are selling our services, our expertise. And it feels very exposed because working in a corporate also brings the benefit that you're kind of part of a corporate branding machine. And, and in a way, when you are a marketing director, you set it. So you, you love the vision of the company. And it's your role to champion that and to be part of it. And you are so used to it that, yes, you have your own voice because it wouldn't be authentic if you didn't. But it's much, much scarier doing it all by yourself as opposed to being part of a big machine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whether it's like brand guidelines, so you, know, you, you, you help everyone across the company to adhere to these brand guidelines. And all of a sudden, it's just you. So, so what does that mean? What does your brand mean? How do you want to be perceived? That's scary. So and you used to, you were probably working in a team, you had a lot of resources, so you could delegate <laughs> yeah. to people, right? And then suddenly yeah. you have only one person to delegate <laughs> everything to, which is you. 
So, so talk us through what it was like as you, you know, moved into your um, entrepreneurial, um, your own business. Mm -hmm. What was the first thing that you had to address? How did you build it? Did you, you know, was it brand identity first, strategy mm -hmm. first, customer avatar? How did you think through that and build your own brand? The first thing for me was um, actually cracking uh, social media, how to promote myself on social media, because I was so used to working with some amazing agencies and delving into strategies and delivering those. But I actually wasn't really able to do anything myself. I remember sitting there, I was so scared of just sending a tweet. Yep. So I, that's one of the first things I addressed. I got a lot of additional training where we bespoke to where I needed to be. And I didn't want to spend a lot of time on it. So I invested a lot of money to have quick and fast training. And then the other thing I did, you have got to figure out really quickly what you're good at. What could you potentially be selling? Because it's very hard in the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey. If you learn a new skill and you then sell that new skill, I think it's much easier in a way to think, okay, so looking back at all your career, what have people always said? What's the great thing about you? Mm. Uh, so I went through that sort of soul searching. And I must say I was lucky or maybe I was just very good at, at, at going to interviews. I, I got my first sort of gig really early on, which helped. I remember I interviewed at a paid media uh, agency. We were looking for a contact and marketing director. And at the time, I didn't have a lot of clue about social media, but I was just invested in this course. I said, look, hire me. What I don't know now, I will know in six months' time. <laughs> I was so confident they did. And, as a contractor. <laughs> as, as a contractor, yeah. And that really helped at the beginning because it kind of gave me that regular income and it allowed me to sit back and, and, and work on my own branding, on my own marketing because I had some money coming in. Okay. And so you are on retainer? Yes, so I was on a retainer with them, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was it full time or did, was oh, it gosh, half time? No. Gosh, so completely half time, yeah. It was sort of maybe sort of one or two days a week, yeah. which was a great balance at the time because it meant that the remaining time of a week, two and a half to three days, I, I could really work on building, building up my brand, figuring out how I wanted to be known, how that translated on social, and just doing all these things which actually take a lot of time. Now, Boy, you know, they take a lot of time. Do you know, Philip, one thing I really struggled with, you know, so earlier you used to have a team where you delegated, you know, all of a sudden you have to do everything, you know, yeah. you write your own copy, you have to be your IT support, you have to be your own accountant, uh, you have to be your sales director, and that takes some getting used to do. You know, I really found at the beginning, I, I was much more likely to focus on administrative things, but actually what I did do, need to do was actually picking up the phone and, 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 and chasing people on, on warm leads, but you, you learn, right? Right. <laughs> I had the same experience when I was starting mine and because I did, you know, I didn't have that revenue coming in. So I actually had a lot of time to build the, the brand assets, you know, the social media channels, the website, all of that sort of stuff and start producing content because I, I relied on content to be my sales, my, my lead engine, which it, it was, I was really successful in doing. But by the same token, I did, I kind of like, I think it was because I was so kind of shell-shocked coming out of that kind of an environment that I did focus on that administrative stuff mm -hmm. rather than sometimes focusing on what I really should have been paying attention to, which was generating, you know, client leads and looking at how I was going to generate revenue. I think that's really interesting. You know, for me, what really made a difference, so I had a really regular retainer client and I kind of got into this comfortable space. I was going to all the conferences I wanted to go to. I was, I was making good money. Uh, it took me 
losing this retainer client. They're still working with me a little bit, but, I, but I, overnight I lost a lot of my regular oh, income. Oh, interesting. But actually that was a great moment because it, it made me launch something new and it made me take some really scary actions. I all of a sudden went out and had speaking gigs. Uh, I pushed my content delivery more forward and, and I launched a new service and I'm actually so glad that it happened. It, it was pretty scary because yeah. like everyone else, I have a family, I have a mortgage to pay, I have regular outgoings, but probably it was the best thing ever. So tell us about your brand. What's it called? What is it that you do? Mm -hmm. And you know your specialty. How is it? How has it changed? Mm -hmm. So my uh, company is called uh, Lollipop Social, and it's pretty much a name I came up with, and I didn't really know what I was going to do. <laughs> Why <laughs> <I'd>, lollipop? <laughs> well, lollipop. So I, uh, I. So I'm German. I live. I live in England. And uh, see, that's the thing about Nicole's accent, which you might. I have trouble with, which is that she's German, but she has a British accent. <laughs> And it's this very weird combination that I get my brain gets super confused. <laughs> but it's lovely. I just like I'm just like I don't know whether I'm listening to a German accent or an English accent. And bit I, of both. I like, bit of both. A bit of both. It's a bit of both. It's a bit of both. So I, I live in London, and uh, I regularly take my son back to Germany to meet the extended family, and he absolutely hated all the queuing at the airport. And you know who doesn't? But when you're a small child, you really show that you don't like it. So a, a lollipop always makes the situation better. Uh, okay. And uh, what I had figured out that. Then that what I always love doing is, is make people look better, whether that was bosses I used to work with or helping people on social media. So I thought, right, so what, right now, whilst I don't know yet what I'm going to do, let, let's use Lollipop Social, let's run with it. And because it taps into, I guess, certain traits of my personality, I'm relatively bubbly. And I talk she about is. things like. Nicole is bubbly. <laughs> Just making a note of that. <laughs> a bit. Uh, I talk about things like sweet, like social. And then I really played onto my Germanness because I believe what, what's really good in personal branding, if you dig deep, really deep, what's your why? Why are you different? What makes you different from your competition? Mm -hmm. And I knew one thing which was different about me was that I was a German living in London. So I, I use this a lot. And it, it kind of just still worked out. I have to be honest with you, Philip. If I was to do it all again, I'll go back to just using my name. But at the time, I just wasn't feeling confident enough. Oh, um, interesting. I, I felt I wanted to hide behind something, and I wanted to give me this persona. Uh, and it, it has worked. But if I was to do it again, I'd go for NicoleOsborne.com, no doubt. Really? Yeah, I would, because I just believe it offers you that flexibility to evolve your services. Yes. So I'm forever known as a person, Lollipop Social, oh, who perhaps social. does social media management. Yeah. But actually, what I do know is our personal brand and social media coaching. So I advise people on You can always just drop social. Absolutely. Could, could Lollipop do, yes. agency, lollipop yeah. media. Yeah. I don't know. We'll There's work on that. But you know what I actually <laughs> found, and uh, funny enough, I did a vlog on this really recently, that it almost doesn't matter so much what you choose as a name, as long as you feel passionate about it, and it is something mm. which you can relate to, your audience can relate to. Then There's a story. It, it, do you guys, tell that story about the about the, I do. the queuing at the airport? I do. It's two things. It's queuing at the airport and also he's mixed race. So he used to hate going to the hairdresser. So what we would do, we would just give him a lollipop and it would be kind of fine. Yeah, I do tell it a lot actually. Because <laughs> people ask me. I like that. To come it up makes a total lollipop great session. sense. So, okay. So you started your agency mm -hmm. and you got, you lost your big retainer clients. Mm -hmm. So suddenly you had to pay attention to like how you're going to get clients. Um, you developed. Did you start developing content? Yeah, I had done already. That's the one thing like you, I started doing really early because I do really believe in content marketing. And what were you doing? Um, I, I was blogging. I was okay. blogging a lot and I, and I enjoyed it because all of a sudden, you know, when you're not part of a corporate company, you, you can kind of talk about the things you're really passionate about. No one is there to approve them or not approve them. You get That's a reaction true. from your audience and you're guided by that. So I love doing it. And 
what I found very early on was whenever I started sharing maybe things I'd struggled with, um, perhaps like confidence or, you know, saying, yes, I want to do speaking gigs. Whenever I shared those things, it resonated with people. So I'd started from this point of view when I expected people want a perfect version. But actually, it's, it's all about the journey. I know it sounds a little bit woohoo, but yeah. it is all about the journey and people can tap into that. So I, I started talking about it, how when you want to be seen on social media, why you might struggle with it, and why you might not want to do it and, and right. how I overcome the struggles. This episode of the Brand Design Masters podcast is sponsored by Bring Your Own Laptop. BYOL.me is a top-tier Adobe application video training website featuring Daniel Scott. Daniel's a certified Adobe trainer and keynote speaker at the Adobe Max conference every year. At BYOL.me forward slash Philip, you can learn everything from the basics to advanced aspects of your favorite Adobe applications, all for one low monthly subscription fee. Visit BYOL.me forward slash Philip. P-H-I-L-I-P. Again, that's B-Y-O-L dot M-E forward slash Philip. I just know you're going to be amazed at Bring Your Own Laptops courses. So when you were, um, when you were starting doing content and you were, you were blogging, were you only publishing your blog on your website mm -hmm. or were you going on LinkedIn or some other larger platform? Were you, how were you driving people to your site to yeah, so consume main, your Yes, my main platform was really my website. I thought it was really important to create a digital home for my services, for my brand, for my content. And I used Twitter a fair bit, um, which was great. You know, I got to be invited to Twitter chat guesting, which was brilliant for my branding. and, and um, but then I also did uh, LinkedIn. And for me, LinkedIn is actually, to date, one of the best platforms. I have ventured out into YouTube. Okay. Uh, I know you've got an amazing channel and I'm constantly commenting on your videos because I just love them. <laughs> um, I'm very much still at the beginning journey, um, but I do like to share my tips via uh, YouTube as well because video is so powerful, isn't it? Because people get an idea of what's that person like to be working with. And yeah. I think that's so important when it is you, you're selling yourself, you need to show people what you're like. I think that's one of actually probably the most important things mm. about video and at being used as content to, at, for business development because when people do see me on YouTube and they recognize that I know what I'm talking about and that I'm not some flake <laughs> and when they do call me up and they're saying I need help with my brand strategy or my website or consulting or whatever that is, they already know that they want to work with me. Absolutely. And they already feel like they know me. And so it's this interesting thing that, you know, a lot of times when you're a marketer and you're working with a client, you have to have that initial conversation where you're proving yourself and you're talking about your portfolio and your, you know, your, your capability set and all that sort of stuff. But when you've done video and there's this level of transparency to who you are, how you talk, um, what you know, they come in the door feeling like they know you already. And it's almost weird because you don't feel like you no. know them. And so you have to kind of like find out who they are and what they're doing and what their priorities are. And so um, it's actually kind of nice because as a marketing person or a branding person, you always want to be diving into asking questions mm -hmm. because what you will be doing for them relies on the answers to those questions or whether you're even appropriate to be working with them yeah. relies on those questions. So um, I found it to be super helpful. Have you gotten any traction around from YouTube or video to experience anything like that? Yeah, do you know what I find so amazing? So obviously content on YouTube lives for such a long time, right? Yes. And um, I regularly uh, go to uh, marketing conferences in England 
and people will come up to me and they'll talk about videos which I perhaps have recorded a year ago yeah. and I find that so special that wouldn't happen on any other platforms and, and just what you said there it really does happen if you are yourself on, in your videos of course perhaps the best version of yourself I mean let's just face it I right? try <laughs> <laughs> not always though um, that's a good thing because you will come the people will come to you who you actually would enjoy working with and I think that's so important because when you're running your own business, you know, you, you are in charge of who you're working with. I know in the beginning you, you probably have to be more flexible who, who you work with and where you get your money from. Mm -hmm. But, you know, once you develop your own branding and you build your audience, you can choose, which is amazing. If you are yourself, you will find the kind of people you really enjoy working with. So who are the people that you mm -hmm. work with? So at the moment, um, my target audience is uh, split, as much as I don't like to admit it, <laughs> because I think niching is so important. Uh, so one of them are founders and small business owners of usually tech companies, okay. because for them it's really important to, to be seen on social, uh, to, to build up their thought leadership, even though that's a really old-fashioned term. It is still out there. So I work with yeah, those sure. guys. Influencers. Absolutely, influencers. Yeah, that's a bit more happening. Uh, but then it's also um, single, single uh, business owners who perhaps don't know social media very well, but you know, they know their area of expertise really well. So I'm working with a, uh, a physiotherapist. Uh, I'm, I'm working actually, I work also with a couple of social media managers, which is interesting. Mm. And I help them to really define what's their offering. How does that relate to their audience? What's their story? And to really get to that sweet spot where they can relate to their audience, they're comfortable about sharing their story. Because let's face it, you and I, we've been quite strategic about which bits of our story we share. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, there's certain bits we like to keep private. Again, it is... I don't keep anything. <laughs> Do you know, no. I, was, I always like to say, because I love cake. I was like, this is like my chocolate cake model there. Perhaps you have eight slices and you decide, let's say, if each of those slices is an element of your story, perhaps your upbringing, your experience, what you're passionate about, you choose which slices you share. Mm. Uh, because then you can be comfortable sharing your story without feeling you're giving too much away. So I help them work that out. And once they do, um, you know, I teach them how to post these things on social media. And it, it's great to see that they, they become really com confident because that's my aim to get them through the program so that they can just post on their own social media and, and get business from it. I find it really fascinating that you're working with social media people and helping mm -hmm. them with their social media. And one of the mm -hmm. things that I'd like to ask you about this is that one thing I find is that it's difficult to get an objective perspective of yourself or of your even how you're coming across mm -hmm. your own story, your own messaging. And sometimes you have to talk to another marketer to get some feedback that you really trust around what's, what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Even if you're a marketer or branding person or a creative professional, to get that feedback from another creative professional, another marketer around your work, right? Mm -hmm. Have you, apart from you're doing that from your clients, how do you do that for you? How do you get feedback on what it is that you're doing? Yeah, so I, I did my um, own personal branding journey when I started. So I went out to some of my old contacts, um, some of my clients, and I actually said, look, what, what is it like working with me? Come, oh, wow. come back with some short stuff. Like you a know. 360 kind of. Yeah, you don't have to like spend a lot of time on it. Um, but what is it? And do you know what I came back to a lot in different angles was, you know, you know, when we talk to you, we just feel better. We are clearer on where we need to get to and we feel more we can do it. And I thought, wow, that lends itself so well to coaching. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I do seek that uh, feedback. Um, and I guess when, you know, we are quite uh, active with our content, you, you do get constant feedback, right? Yes, <laughs> so, you do. <laughs> but I, I Hopefully, agree. if it's good content. <laughs> so, so I knew that I'd done something well uh, with my personal running when people started recognizing me and they came up to me and said, hey, Nicole, yeah, that, that, that relates to me. You just like your videos. And I loved hearing that because that was my aim. I, I wanted to be 
authentic. And I know that's such an old-fashioned um, word, but I heard earlier today in the, in the conference, social media marketing world here in San Diego, authentic is just another way of saying it's okay to not be completely perfect all the time. It's yes. okay to let people in. And I think that's so powerful, sharing behind-the-scenes content of what it's like to work with you, how you, how you scope out your projects, how you right. prepare for a talk. So yeah, it's interesting, but yeah, always get feedback and, and don't be afraid of it. And you actually want negative feedback as well, or constructive feedback, because it helps you to improve, right? And that is, you know, as you're talking about your cake analogy, where you're sharing <laughs> certain things, but not all of it, that's, what I think, one of the hardest things about exhibiting authenticity or being vulnerable, because it is yeah. being vulnerable. And I was talking to Chris Ducker about this earlier today, where he was saying, you know, you have to be almost painfully vulnerable. But, you know, you always keep something for yourself, right? You don't, mm-hmm. you know, you're not blogging about you brushing your teeth or like you break when you get in the shower, you like draw the line somewhere. But um, people want to know about the person behind the personality, right? Mm-hmm. And so how much of that can you share comfortably? And for everybody, it's different. Yeah. So for you, when it comes to sharing that, that vulnerability mm-hmm. part, where do you, what, what's the line you draw? Where do, you, really, where do you do that? It's a really good question. Um, it's challenging, right? So I would probably, when, I, when I'm preparing a talk for an event, I always think, you know, you want to give 150% and you want to create an experience. So I would probably share more when I'm doing an events talk than perhaps I would do in some of my videos or in my blogs because it's kind of more intimate, isn't really? it? Really? Um, so like up on a stage, you, yeah, you feel I, it's yeah. more intimate? If it supports the story, um, okay. and you know, I often talk about how you overcome things, um, to, to build your business. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tricky one. So the first thing I did actually is, is really just check in with my stakeholders. And I don't mean anyone fancy. I, frankly, I mean my family, my mum, my husband. Uh, and we talk about the things I could potentially share and, and we draw the line together because... It, really? You yeah. include them in like what you're going to be sharing? Absolutely. I think it's so important because once wow, you do that... I never thought about that. Once you do that, you know, you can own whatever you're sharing because they're happy with that. Um, right. So yeah, I, ha- I have done this, yeah, because I mean, like everyone, you know, we have our ups and downs in our lives and how much of it we want to share. True. We have to check with our stakeholders. <laughs> <laughs> check with the stakeholders. Check with the board. Absolutely. That's so funny. So we're here at Social Media Marketing World and we're hearing a lot of, you know, new trends in social media and what is, what's currently important, what people are seeing on the horizon as being important. We are both marketing people and have developed, are developing personal brands for ourselves. We're kind of hooked into that world. But for the people who are listening and watching, what are you hearing here that you think that people who are just starting on that journey of building, you know, a personal presence or a personal brand for themselves to be independent that they should be paying attention to? Yeah, so one of the first things is really showing up. So figuring out where's your audience, what are they interested in, what are their pain points, and pick a platform and show up on that platform. And the good thing is, it's not like you're putting something out into print. You know, I, I used to be responsible for big billboards or for having thousands of newspapers printed with an ad I had created. Do you know, if you get it wrong, you can tweak things on, on your digital channels. So don't let the need for perfection hold you back. Just start somewhere. Know your why, know your audience, and see how you can match those things, essentially. Mm. I get a lot of questions about finding my audience. Like, how do I find the mm-hmm. people who would be interested in hearing what I have to say, mm-hmm. or where do I find them to, mm-hmm. to talk to them? When you're looking and thinking about your business and, and the avatar that you mm-hmm. is your pro, most appropriate client, how do you think, of, how do you determine where they are? Mm-hmm. So 
obviously, if you're a large company, you have that luxury, you have a, a customer yeah, yeah, a relationship department. system. We're not talking about or, that. <laughs> but, but when it's just you, it's much trickier, right? Yeah. Um, so for me, I started off looking at the kind of people I would like to work with. And I actually did a little bit okay. of uh, very friendly social stalking. What do I mean by that? I looked them up on Facebook. I looked them up on LinkedIn. Okay. I, I went into link, uh, Facebook groups and I, and I figured out what kind of pain points they're talking about. Uh, I tested those ideas when I went to events. And you kind of see where you, where you get the feedback. Now, with individual people or like on stage? Um, individual people. So you know, like when okay. you talk to them during the breaks, you kind of get yeah. some, some feedback of how... Of, of, where they're at in their business, what are their challenges. But yeah, it is, it is really tricky. Um, I guess the beauty is that you could post something similar on different platforms and you will see straight away, you know, where was it liked, where was it shared, uh, where did you get the most comments. So you can, very early on in your journey, and you don't even have to have a big audience, you can be guided by that pretty early as mm. soon as you look at the analytics. Then you can also look at your Google Analytics to see which pieces of content resonate the most, uh, where, you know, where we're clicking to, uh, what kind of lead magnets would work. So it is a bit of trial and error. I, I wish there was a more scientific approach. I'm sure it is, but I believe when you're starting out, you just won't have access to all the data. Well, there may not be a lot of data mm. coming yeah. in at the beginning, which yeah. is, and then you kind of grasp onto straws, but it builds over time, right? Mm -hmm. So when you were looking at, what do you, how often do you look at Google Analytics mm -hmm. or, you know, kind of count your views or your comments? Yeah. Is it kind of constantly <laughs> in the back of your head? So as you're going through your day, you think about that? Or do you say once a week or once a month, mm -hmm. I do kind of a concerted hour of looking yeah. at everything? So clearly I'm German, so I like to be relatively organized. See, yes. <laughs> so I have a content production day uh, very regularly at my diary. And as part of that, obviously looking at new content ideas, I, I then review my Google Analytics. Now, I, I'm not obsessed with my stats on social media because I think that's way too short term. Um, so yes, I mean, I'll notice which posts have done more and I'll create more of those, but I'm not very much sort of like constantly measuring. As long as I do it regularly, I can see the impact on the traffic on my website. I can see the impact on the sign up on my email list. Uh, you know, how much are people opening my emails, clicking, mm -hmm. I am happy. Do you know, I think it's, when you're running your own business, you have to be really smart with where you focus your efforts, right? And I think to me, if I was going too much into the data sort of rabbit hole, it could be almost be like this admin job again I should be doing. That actually, I, I should be focusing on building my brand and uh, you know, following up some leads. Yeah. So you look <laughs> at it from a 20,000 yeah. foot level. Absolutely, absolutely. But I do, have, down in the weeds. I do have some fabulous content creation days, and I love them because it's kind of giving yourself permission to, to, to not do any client work, but mm. actually work on your own content. Yes. That's very smart, I think, because we can, you know, and I, I do that as well. It's, it's hard when you feel like you're being pulled in a number of directions. Yeah. When you're doing client work and you're building a personal brand, sometimes it can feel like you have two jobs. Does mm -hmm. it feel that way for you? Yeah, um, I, my, my best friend is really my, my Google Calendar, and I guess many working parents will have that there. You, you, you have a limited amount of time available, so I, I try to aim to have a certain percentage for client work and a certain percentage were working on my business. It doesn't always work out that way, but this is the intention behind it, yeah. Well, Nicole, it has been so wonderful talking to you. I'm so glad you made time for me here at the, uh, at the Social Media Marketing World Conference. And so where can people find Lollipop Social and where do you show up and what's the best play to, way to get in contact with you? Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm feeling so privileged that you invited me. So the best way to find out more about me is my website, which is www.lollipopsocial.co.uk. .co. 
www.co.uk. Uh, you will find all the details about my Wunderstars program and my personal branding content on there. The platform I'm most likely to be is LinkedIn. So do search for me. It's uh, Nicole Osborne One, and that's how I come up. And I would love to connect with people. Of course, any questions they have, please let me know. Well, great, Nicole. Thank you again for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been so great. Thank you. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.